T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Here it is. Gets a 3-1 fastball and rides it out of the yard. This fastball down the middle. Our happy home run replay by Ford. He knew it when it left the bat. The fans knew it. We're going to send them home happy this beautiful Sunday. Sox take the series and move the Indians back to nine games back. Courtesy of Brian Goodwin and that line drive rocket that sent everybody home. That all went down at NBC Sports Chicago. Steve Stone, Len Casper on the call while Jason Benetti is covering Olympic baseball. Sox, yeah, 62 and 44, nine back or nine up on the Cleveland Indians and the American League Central. White Sox off today. They host Kansas City tomorrow. I'm Mark Grody with you here on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, 312 644 is the number. Brian Goodwin kind of owed you that, by the way, in that game yesterday the game-winning homer where the Sox win two to one the walk-off homer in the ninth and he kind of owed it to you because he had made a blunder in that game as well he he hit a a pop-up into the shallow center field he thought for sure it would be caught so he was just dogging it to first base and the ball dropped, and he should have been on second base. And even Steve Stone at that point said, well, I hope it doesn't come back to haunt them. And had they not won the game, they, they could have looked back to that. So so Goody, did they call him Goody? Goody owed the White Sox that walk-off home run, and he done got it. I got to tell you, too, like watching those those White Sox games against Cleveland, and I know you, I know you Sox fans probably felt the same way, it's still pretty damn important to beat that team because they are nine up, but they could have been seven up or six up, you know, and you don't want to get it. You don't want to, you don't want to get back into that territory where all of a sudden you're looking back again and you're like, okay, we have to still duel for the division. You don't want that. You want to be able to perfect things. Now, if you're the Chicago white Sox, perfect positions and batting order and rotation and bullpen 
in the name of the postseason. You don't want to have to get, you don't want this to be 2005 again, where Cleveland got right back up on your heels towards the end, and then the Sox did what they did and won the World Series. You don't want to deal with that, though. Um, so it was important <laughs> that they won those games. And uh, yeah, man, now, now that the Sox have Craig Kimbrell on their side, it's really interesting fascinating i have found myself when watching white Sox games since the kimbrell acquisition i kind of rooting for close games just to see how tony la Russa lines it up to see if it's going to be craig kimbrell or liam hendricks in the ninth inning and how michael kopech is used so and and we got to see some of it and one part that I'm not alarmed by it ultimately, but it was not a good thing because Michael Kopech has been really good this year. But in the in the game the other day, um, the twelve the Saturday game, let me be specific, the Saturday game against Cleveland, that's the one, that's the Sevi Savalo three home run game <laughs> and a 12-11 loss. How about Sevi? Even he was like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how this is happening. But so I'll watch him very closely to see how, how, Tony, how will you handle this? Michael Kopech enters in the sixth inning. White Sox up 6-4 to four with two outs, and it's a dirty inning. Guy, You have runners on base, and there hasn't been a lot of that with Michael Kopech this year. They have been keen on bringing him in in you know his own inning. Nobody on, you start this inning. And sometimes he's gone two innings. A lot of one-inning performances, not always late in the game. And uh, he's thrived, there's no doubt. But I've been wanting to see him in a situation where the, that it's a high-leverage spot. I've been like, why won't they do this? You are going to need that guy probably in the postseason. So I got my wish, but he comes in and Oscar Mercado, Austin Hedges, Yu Ching all crushed him. All hit him up. I think he was charged with five earned runs, ultimately. Um, so it just makes me wonder if this is something that they haven't done enough of this year that is allowing Michael Kopech to pitch in all scenarios as opposed to nifty clean innings. So it, it, it actually makes me want to see them try it again because you're going to have to have somebody that, that is able to do that. You can't always, it's not always going to be Michael Kopech, Liam Hendricks, Craig Kimbrell, and, and we're out. You're going to have to have a guy come in and it's going to be Liam Hendricks. I think in a lot of cases as well to come in and clean up a dirty situation. And I'll stop using dirty after a while. I know I, I feel cool saying that, but yeah, I, I want to see more of Kopech doing that. I think again, you can afford to play with stuff like that. And I just don't think the Sox have put him in that position enough this year and, and maybe it showed to to some degree. Um, yeah, and, and just tracking and watching Craig Kimbrell, he looks like their closer, man. Like, I mean, they, he came in on Saturday? Yeah, he came in on Saturday in the eighth inning. Cleveland was up 12-11 to 11 in that crazy game that day. A 1-2-3 inning with one strikeout. Kimbrell on Sunday. Indians eighth. 1-2-3 with one strikeout. And then Liam Hendricks pitched the ninth. He actually got the win. Both of them with scoreless innings, with Hendricks getting the later inning yesterday, and in, in both pitching with 1-1 games, and they made it okay for, or they set the stage, I should say, 
for for Brian Goodwin to to hit the game winning home run. So it's going to be interesting, but I think it, it is. I think it is and should fall into a scenario where it is Craig Kimbrell as your closer. I do think he's the better. I think he's the better closer. I think he is having the better year. I think he is better. Like there's been no very little funny stuff this year when Craig Kimbrell has come into games. I think there's been like. Liam Hendricks has been terrific, but I think he's been more hittable. We've seen more times when he's given up home runs or given up runs in the ninth inning early in the season. I mean, we don't have to really – I pretty much should just exterminate everything that happened early. But, you know, it took Liam Hendricks a little while to get in rhythm or to get at full throttle, and and now he is. But I think Craig Kimbrell is better in that role. And I do think that – I remember when Chris Ranji and I were filling in on the afternoon show – the uh, Parkins and Spiegel show, and we had Liam Hendricks on, and Ranji asked him the question about pitching in any inning, and he basically said, who gives a crap? I don't care what inning I'm pitching in. And, and I believe him for the most part. I don't know that he would put up with that for his entire career. Like, I think ultimately he'd like to be back the guy pitching in the ninth inning. But I do think that he is better suited to come in and with men on base, better than Craig Kimbrell. Like you just you want to leave Kimbrell alone, I think, especially since he figured things out because it was looking for a while, like that his Cubs career was going to be a fail and that maybe his career was on the downward trend. But he figured some things out, got it back. And he got it back by being a ninth inning guy, not being anything else. And I'm not saying you can't bring him in. And they did. They brought him in in the eighth yesterday. You can't do that. But I just think that it's – I don't think it's as complicated as everybody else thinks it is. I think Craig Kimbrell is the closer for the Chicago White Sox. I do. I do. Um, and I wonder if you agree. 312-644-6767 is the number. Um and while I'm waiting for your calls, I mean, you can if you want. Again, 312-644-6767. So I um, watched a lot of the Sox game, and then I listened to some of it. I was just taking a walk in the city. I, I listened. I, I've got the, the MLB app, so I like to listen to visiting radio sometimes. Sometimes I'll do that. So just for the hell of it, I was listening to, to Cleveland radio in the game yesterday, the game where Brian Goodwin hits the, the game-winning home run and uh, Tom Hamilton is the play-by-play guy the radio play-by-play guy been around forever great dude all I, I, I interviewed him several times while I was on the Cubs beat and um, I was fascinated by his because because right now you guys think I'm gonna that you're gonna hear a guy who's really depressed and not saying anything like the Hawk Harrelson days Tom Hamilton man he he sounded like a White Sox play-by-play guy. He rose. Now nah, this is a professional, is what it is. Listen to Tom Hamilton's call of the Brian Goodwin game-winning home run yesterday. Now the three-one, swung on, driven to deep right field. This ball game is over. Brian Goodwin. With a line drive, walk-off homer to right field, and the White Sox win the rubber match, beating the Indians today by a final score of two to one. How about that, man? I mean, I, I don't listen to a lot of Tom Hamilton, but good on him, man. Like, there's too much, like, I know. We all got to be homers. And I've been guilty of it, too, in my days in the Cubs booth. I mean, that's just the way that you want to hear a excited call when your team wins and you want to hear depression 
when your team loses or something dramatically awful happens. But Tom Hamilton, man, just uh, just being a pro. Brandon, have you ever heard a, a visiting call that thrilled with the, especially a division rival? Like, technically, the Indians should hate the White Sox, right? Yeah, it's, it's funny because when you told me to get this clip, I was expecting yeah. real depression. Like, I, I right. expected him to get angry. And listening to it, I actually had to double check to see if I had the right clip. I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. This, he sounds excited. Is this a home one? So I, I had to double check just to sure. And I had Herb with me at the time, and we just had to check to make sure that this was right. Yeah, exactly. And and that is usually why we play those clips. Like many years with oh, Marty Brenneman, and we all remember Thorne Brenneman. Um, we have fun with those, like the depression. And even Hawk Harrelson, like some of Hawk's calls were just classic. You know? It's like you'd hear the, the crack of the bat. It is a 3-1 ball game. And that was that. And, you know, Steve Stone, feel free to enter any time to fill the space, you know. Or, or maybe that would have upset the Hall of Famer, Hawk Harrelson. I love Hawk, by the way. But that was hilarious when he would do that. But Tom Hamilton, yeah, he's, he's stepping up. He's stepping up for you guys. Um, I thought that was interesting. But I'm I am not, like... Ultimately, like, oh, no, Michael Kopech sucks all of a sudden because I'm not going to, like, empty out all of the the excellent times he's had this year. And even that day, even in the, the 12-11 loss, it's not like he didn't have good stuff. Like, the, the slider was sliding. It just the fastball wasn't fooling people. I had one texter suggest that, that Cleveland was on to their signs. I have no idea if that was the case, but they, they were on him. There's no doubt about it, um, and you're not going to be perfect every time. But the, the only reason it got my antenna up is that you, you just don't see him in a lot of innings where there are men on base come in, and it maybe it showed that he is, you know, quote-unquote, not in shape for that kind of pitching. And uh, I I would like to see them continue to to try that and to to get that right. But I'd love to hear from Sox fans, 312-644-6767. Do you agree with me that it's – I don't think it's that complicated. <laughs> Craig Kimbrell is the closer. Um, from the 317, Mark, please do more Tom Brenneman. I only have like one or two. We all remember Mark Grace, uh, Tom Brenneman. I, I, have to tell, I have to be honest with you, and I know that Tom Brenneman said some – awful things and because of it he's no longer a play-by-play guy for the Cincinnati Reds he's like doing something I can't remember something he must have said something I have to tell you like when I would go to Cincinnati to cover Cubs games you had Tom and uh, the very the very high energy Marty Brown knock myself off the air you had those two. I love those two guys, like talking to them. And I always had this fantasy, and I would always share it with Ron Coomer and Pat Hughes, and they always got a kick out of it, that I always, my goal in life was to someday be invited to the Brennemans for Thanksgiving, just to spend the time, because they're they're totally outspoken guys, like, as you can tell, as you know. And unfortunately, you know, Thom said too much. But normally, like when they were just in the booth before games or in the cafeteria in Cincinnati, they were hilarious. 
<laughs> and I always wanted to be closer to those guys. And I was always like one layer away, you know, because they they knew Pat and Ron a lot better. So I was like, like clearly the third guy. But and, and they, hey, Mark, how's it going? Good to see you. That, that's Marty and Tom. Hey, Mark, always good to see you. Great to see you. Hopefully we could have a meal at some point. Um, so Tom was all, they, they were great to me, but I never got as close to them as I wanted to. That was a fail on my part. I, and I, I just always thought that these guys are like their own little walking talk show at games in a professional setting. I always thought it would be funny to see those two guys with a couple of wines in them at their house. And I'm sure it's a very nice house that the Brennemans live in. And, just, and, and, you know, there's more Brennemans. I just wanted, like, I was always vying for, Mark would really like to see you uh, Thanksgiving at our house this year. It never happened. Um, things got cut short for all of us. <laughs> and and here we are now. So, um, but anyway, that's my Brenneman story. Uh, Texter773, I'm not super worried about Kopech, but I am concerned with the Sox upcoming schedule. They haven't been the best against 500 teams. I have not looked at the Sox schedule beyond Kansas City. I'll have to, I'll, I'll have to ring that up here. I do have to take a break though, so maybe during the break, I can, I can check that out. No, and you're right though. Um, they at times this year have had trouble against really good teams. I thought it was really important that they were recently able to handle some pretty good teams though and show something in in that regard that they can go out there and and beat really good teams like the Houston Astros right after the All-Star break. That was hugely important, man. On, on a lot of different levels. Hey, Grody, and even put uh, Minnesota away. Grody, yeah. real quick, just you was talking about the Sox schedule. So they got the Royals after that, then the Crosstown matchup with the Cubs, then the Twins, and then it gets a little tough because then you got a series against the Yankees, the Athletics, and the Rays, and the Blue Jays after that. Okay. So it's going to get tough. Right All right. There. Yeah. Well, they got a nice little tune-up or a little warm-up before that of, of easy games. So they could pad their – they could easily pad their lead before that and the, and the pressure is off. But I, I understand what the texture is saying. It's a good point. You want to beat those good teams, and that's a part of the schedule that I will definitely look forward to. I got to take a break. Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. Mark Grody, Chicago Sports Radio six seventy. The score. Welcome back in, Mark Grody, with you on Chicago Sports Radio six seventy. The score. We are going to hear from the Cubs president of baseball operations, Jed Hoyer, with Dan Bernstein and Layla Rahima here momentarily. But that means that is it for me tonight. Thank yous to Chris Emma for talking about the Bears. Also, Cody Westerlin from six seventy. The score.com on the Chicago Bulls and the various moves that they have made tonight. If you did not hear, Lonzo Ball is a bull. Alex Caruso, another point guard, is a bull. Daniel Tice is now with the Houston Rockets. Derrick Rose is going back to New York in the next three years and $43 million. Thank you to Brandon Fryer for producing this show. I will be at Soldier Field tomorrow morning and then back on the score tomorrow night starting at 6 o'clock, so I will tell you all things Bears and we will continue to talk baseball and the Bulls, too, man. All sorts of good stuff. Hope you enjoy Jed Hoyer with Dan and Layla. Jed Hoyer, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Okay. I, how did we get here? How did we get to that day of trading everybody? 
Well, I mean, you know, listen, I, I, I think the thing that I'm most proud of, I think with this group, you know, and, and I, when I say me, I think it's obviously, and, you know, Theo and an, an entire team of people, but listen, I think we built up um, a young team, um, you know, really from scratch starting in 2011. And we, we built up a group that really redefined what the Cubs are. You know, we, you know, went from celebrating back-to-back winning seasons or, you know, celebrating making the playoffs and losing the first round to, you know, um, making the playoffs five out of six years, you know, three NLCSs, winning a World Series title, and having fans that were really disappointed when we lost in the first round, as it should be. And I think that um, that's sort of the, the, the legacy of this group is that I think we sort of redefine what it is to be the Cubs. You know, ultimately – you know, we had reached a point with all these players where we had two months left. You know, I think that, you know, with, with uh, major league players, you have you know, usually seven years of control. And we are at the end of those two months. Uh, we sort of gave this team a chance to win this year. And obviously, I was hoping to be on the buy side of the transaction had we uh, played well enough. But we didn't. We had an 11-game losing streak. And, you know, with that, I think it was very clear that, you know, given – we had these expiring contracts. It was sort of time to, to reset this organization from a, a young talent standpoint. And it was time to, you know, really um, kind of move forward. And, you know, we didn't close the door on anything with those players going forward, but to have them on our roster for two months while we're in fourth place, didn't seem like the right thing to do strategically. And, you know, we moved forward you know, decisively to try to, to make sure we could acquire as much young talent for the future as possible. Dad, it did seem like a bit of a roller coaster in a way, especially coming from the personnel side of it. And you have talked to us about how the landscape changed for you and the team. But the U Darvish trade somewhat reminding us always in the background of the direction the team was possibly headed in. And then we see the decisions that were made with Lester and with Schwarber. And then we see what happens in the beginning of the season. Month to month, performances were different. And then now we see the ultimate culmination of all of that when it came to the performance and then the tone that was set initially with this trade deadline. What was the thought process moving forward after the Darvish trade and then reevaluating and then knowing perhaps that had to be the direction all along? Sure. Well, I think, you know, first of all, I would say that, you know, a lot of things this winter, you know, we're on the sort of backdrop of COVID. It was very unclear, you know, to everyone, you know, what, you know, when we'd be at full capacity, what our payroll would be. And I think that you know, with these um, players that have, you know, have had great careers here, I think every year they get more and more expensive. So we sort of had a kind of a big, you know, kind of a, a roster with, with big bones and, and we were trying to you know, do what we could to, to win with this group, but also knowing that, you know, given where we were financially, it wasn't a, a group, we couldn't, you know, make you know, huge investments in, you know, with this group. So, you know, we knew we had to thread the needle a little bit going into the season. You know, we tried to make a number of late um, acquisitions to try to supplement the group. And I think for a, for, a, for a time, I think that worked. You know, we had a really good May, early June, but ultimately, um, you know, the team struggled. Now, you know, we struggled from a, from a starting pitching standpoint, but we also, we have to be honest, we also really struggled from an offensive standpoint. And I think that, um, you know, this group, as, as talented as they were, you know, um, we, you know, Theo kind of described it in 2018 that we you know, broke offensively. Um, that was with this group of players. I think that 
in, in 19 and 20 and 21, we saw the same thing that um, we had a really remarkable collection of, of individual talents, but as a group, um, it didn't, it didn't add up to being the offense that we thought. And frankly, the performances were, were not excellent. And so I think as a result, we, we were left with an offense that, you know, was expensive, was talented, uh, had great history, but this offense as a group uh, certainly was not an elite offense by, by any means. And I think that, you know, that with, you know, with a, a starting pitching staff that, you know, that, that obviously wasn't able to get deep in games really kind of, kind of, you know, set the, set the, uh, you know, set the course for what this team would be, you know, the bullpen kept us in the, in the race for a while with incredible performances, but that wasn't enough. And once we had the 11 game losing streak and once Milwaukee took off, it felt like the, you know, the, like I said, the clear right thing to do uh, was um, to really focus on the future at the deadline. You mentioned you weren't going to make a large investment in, in this group under these circumstances. And there's a quote here, um, and I saw this recently in, in The Athletic, and I'm going to read the, the quote to you. This is uh, Tom Ricketts talking about, uh, the in June, talking about the free agents-to-be and the decisions that were to be made. He said, I leave those decisions 100% up to Jed. I feel I have such great relationships with those guys, but you really have to leave it up to Jed. It's really his decision on how he's going to build this team going forward. You know I have never interjected myself in those conversations. If it comes down in large part to budget, how can that be true? Well, I think to to be clear, what I said before was this winter we did not have the ability to go out on a free agent market and make significant investments. So, that was what I said. That was going back to this winter. If you're talking about individual players, Tom's 100% right that you know when, when it comes to you know you know signing guys to extensions or what what to do, he's he's an incredible owner to work for because he doesn't interject himself. He lets us make the right decision baseball wise. So I don't you know, I think I don't want to twist my words. You know this winter we were not in a position, given that we had all these guys that were five pluses and at the end of our deal at the deals, we were not in a position to to go out and make significant investments in free agency. That's, that's a fact. Did you think there would be at least one extension agreed to? And why, why did we have just nothing but, but crickets when it came to extension talks? Yeah, I think that's always going to be my great frustration. Um, but at the same time, I say that, um, you know, I put my, my head on the pillow every night, knowing that we did everything we could to, to extend these guys. Um, you know, I think that, as I said, the day after the or right after the trade deadline, you know, that I think the offers that we made will stand up exceptionally well historically. Um, I don't know why we weren't able to reach extensions. Um, we sort of put ourselves out there to do that. And ultimately, um, you know, obviously, you know, those players didn't feel like that the offers we made um, were good enough. And I think that's, that's the bottom line. But um, do I feel like they, those things will hold up incredibly well historically? Absolutely. And I'm, I'm proud of that. You know, that, you know, we did put ourselves out there. We did try to extend, um, and frankly, every member of the core, whether it's the people that we traded on, um, on Friday or whether it's the people that have, have left previously, um, we've always made it, you know, tried to extend these guys, made overtures to extend them been aggressive in our mind and unfortunately um it wasn't reciprocated and that's something that did uh, sort of lead to what happened on friday that we were not able to reach those kind of extensions 
So was there more to it than what we saw perhaps in the public, whether it be statements from Anthony Rizzo saying, I'm not going to talk about this during the season, or the rumors that we hear about various extensions before this that have been leaked to the media, but not a lot of it during the season as to what you just alluded to? Yeah, and part of why I, I'm speaking somewhat cryptically is like, you know, through all of this, um, you know, these are pa- players that I really care about deeply. These are friends of mine. You know, these are, you know, people we've known, I've known Anthony for almost 15 years with three organizations. You know, I've, I've sort of watched Javi grow up. You know, we've known Chris since we, you know, met with him in college to, to draft him. And, and so, and, 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 that, and there's far, far more players b- beyond that. And so, you know, I don't ever, I don't feel comfortable talking about, you know, contract negotiations in, in the public sphere because, you know, I'm not trying to, to win that PR battle. I'm not trying to, um, I'm not trying to, you know, do, ever say anything that would be derogatory. I think that's the wrong thing to do. I think these are, these are players who are, who are, are iconic Chicago Cubs. Um, they did something that no one believed was, was possible in the city and they deserve to be legends. And, and I'm not here to sort of sit there and, and, and make comments about it and, or, and talk about what was talked about with extensions behind closed doors. That's just inappropriate. And I think I've said that over and over that we wouldn't talk about it, but at the same time, I also think it's really important to, you know, kind of debunk the notion that we did not want to, to extend these players and that we didn't try hard to do so. And I think that's, it's really important. And, you know, I'm not going to talk about individual negotiations or what was said or who we talked to, but as a group, that was something we tried hard. And I know, you know, speaking somewhat for Theo and for me, it was, it was always a source of frustration that we weren't able to get any of those across the finish line other than, than Kyle Hendricks, who, um, you know, really respect the fact that, you know, he kind of rolled up his sleeves with us and we got to a deal that, that we felt like made sense for both sides. And I think you touch on an emotional piece of this that the fans are certainly reeling from as well. And that's part of the burden of having that success is the emotional attachment that fans had to this core of players and what they meant to them and the goodbyes that maybe weren't said as far as watching them preparing for this last moment that we just saw, how everything happened in 24 hours. What is your message to the fans who are still grieving this as well? Um, I guess I would say I feel the same way, you know, I mean, like I said before, not to repeat myself, but you know, these are players that I've watched grow up and have known for a long time. You know, these are players that my kids have their jerseys up on the wall and, you know, I just sit down and explain these decisions to my own kids who are Cubs fans and, and who feel that way. Um, ultimately, my job um, is to build the next great Cubs team. I've, I've felt that all along that we, you know, we can't, we can't, you know, have, you know, can't, um, you know, be, you know, be satisfied with sort of, you know, being a little bit above mediocrity. We can't be satisfied with just making the playoffs that, you know, the thrill that we, that we had in 15 and 16 and 17 is what we have to build again. And, you know, that's, that's my entire focus and that's our, that's our staff focus. And so um, we made some really difficult decisions. Um, I don't think we closed any doors to anyone, but we made some difficult decisions, you know, to really make sure that the future of this organization was bright. And I do believe that, you know, to me, there's some really cautionary tales of organizations that weren't willing to do that. Um, I always use the Giants and the Tigers and the Phillies as the example of organizations that had these great runs um, who had a, a core group of players that were sort of icons in their own cities. 
and they you know held on to those those players. You know uh, they weren't they weren't willing to they kind of ran to the end of the cliff and off the cliff with, when it came to their the service time, and they had five years in a row of of really being um, you know, really bad teams because they did that, and that was something that uh, as a group we were committed um, to not doing. You know if we could reach extensions that that made sense for us, we would have done that. But when we couldn't do that, you know ultimately we made a decision to not be those organizations and to make sure that for the Cubs fans that we were good again, you know, quickly and not, don't, not having these, this five-year, um, you know, period of being a bad team because you weren't willing to make some hard decisions with some players that had won for you. This doesn't look like quickly though, as we're looking at, at the actual return. Now that we're, we have some distance from it, the overall haul that you got for some of these rental fees, I mean, this. How, do you know? Do you have a better idea of how many years away you are from the, from maybe spending again and and competing again at a similar level? Yeah. Well, first of all, I would say, like, you know, I think we were incredibly proud as a group of the returns we were able to get. I mean, these were, you know, the rental uh, position player market is a difficult market. Um, you know, I think with the with given the uh, what you know the players that we were you know trying to trade, I think I think our returns were excellent. I'm really proud of our group for you know, the players we were able to get for them. And the, the honest thing is, you know, um, you know, when you say it doesn't look quick, you know, that to me is very unclear. Um, people expect a declaration of when we are going to be good, and the honest answer is I don't know yet because I think part of it is trying to figure out you know. What does the next CBA look like? Mm-hmm. What do the free agent markets look like going forward? How quickly do these players develop? Um, you know, I think that, I think the idea that we have exactly that we know exactly what the puzzle looks like right now, we don't. But I will tell you that you know I'm I'm very confident that it's not going to look anything like it looked uh, in 2012 and 13. That's not what we're looking at. That's not what we're going for. Um, but as far as the returns we got and what we've what we've been able to add to our minor league system over the last year. I think I'm incredibly proud of the way we've been able to reset things. And it's really important. You know, we poured so many resources into, into building this, this, this team. You know, we, we traded so many prospects to supplement this core group um, that you guys have talked about so much on this call. We, we poured so many, you know, we went over the luxury tax twice and we poured so many, you know, financial resources into this group in order to try to win. And at some point you have to, you know, you have to step back and say, okay, you know, we need to make sure we're healthy as an organization from a um, from a financial standpoint. We have to make sure we're healthy as an organization from a prospect currency standpoint because we weren't uh, over the last couple of years. We had you know really emptied the farm system. We had really gotten to the place where we had we had you know such expensive players on our roster that we weren't able to supplement them. And so, um, you know, the healthiest we ever were as an organization was in 2015. You know, we had incredible financial flexibility. And we had incredible talent. And, you know, that to me, there's a reason we went on a a run of making the playoffs five out of six years. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? 
we make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 